Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the show about all things very north and very south. My name is Chris Marquardt and with me, as always, is Henry. Hi, how are you doing? A wonderful good day and I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing brilliant. The sun is back. It was cold for a day, but now it's uh, starting to come back. So ah, I, th- I thought it's I thought we were going warm. back into fall again. <laughs> No, it has become super warm here, and as a polar guy, you're not really um, prepared to cope with temperatures um, beyond 20 degrees you, You're a bit like a husky, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> I find it so amazing that the huskies love the cold, and when they, when they pull a, a dog sleigh, they will, at a stop, the first thing they will do is throw themselves in the snow and eat snow to cool down. They Agreed. are just... Amazing a, animals. Had a stroll to the woods the other day, and everybody was super surprised that <coughs> I was super excited about finally leaving the house and just go outside and do something in the woods, mm-hmm. and saw some deer, some lizards, and some birds. It was just amazing, just being outside again. <sighs> well, I'd never want to be in jail. And we have now, <laughs> no, for whatever reason, no, no, no. Um, yeah, and and our and our plants coming along nicely. We are we have picked up a bit of gardening now that we're stuck at home. So uh, our tomatoes are looking amazing. I mean, the plants are looking amazing. So uh, that's great. Very much looking forward to to those coming along. Um, but that's oh, not what yeah. we want to talk about today. We have. Oh no, it's not the gardening podcast. It's not the gardening podcast. It's the um apparently <laughs> looking at the title of this episode we're talking about uh music what does oh, that yes, exactly we do. mean <laughs> well we started kind of a little mini series in our podcast last week and we talked about music in nunavut which is in northern canada the largest territory in canada but we are heading a little bit further to the east to the largest island in the world which is Greenland, and I would Yay. love to talk a little bit, a little bit about Greenlandic music today. And my very first question is, what do you associate with Greenlandic music? Um, not much, to be honest. I, I've been to <laughs> Greenland. I've seen a ton of icebergs, which were really impressive. I've uh, seen part of the coast of the east coast of Greenland. Um, I have. Spent wonderful time with wonderful people there, and uh, we've met some Greenlanders, but not really anything about the local music. Is there Greenland music? There is Greenlandic music, and there is actually um, a big number of different music styles, and that's exactly what I would love to talk about today. We have basically two different music strands we have Inuit music and western styles the western styles of course mainly influenced by denmark who is the uh, colonial power but also united states and england and today's modern music is quite rocky and for a country of only fifty-six thousand people they actually release quite a number of records each year and we're talking here about 10 to 15 albums per year that means when we take the 10 albums per year, it's an album per 5,500 people. That's that just is quite amazing. a lot per capita. I mean, uh, t- t- those numbers definitely look different in different parts of the world. I mean, Iceland is quite a diverse country when it comes to music and culture. And Iceland is, um, they claim themselves to be the per capita world champions in the world. But to be fair, <laughs> 
in that sense, I think Greenland beats them up by far. And before we talk about the modern music and about those numbers of rackets, I would love to have a look back into traditions and would love to see where the Greenlandic music has its origins. And remember the last episode when we talked about the music in Inuvut? We yes. also talked about distinct Inuit traditions, like the throat singing. And in fact, the Inuits of Greenland, they share musical traditions with the related Inuits across the Canadian territories, uh, which is namely Yuki, Nunavut and the Northwest Territories, but also in Alaska and some parts of Eastern Russia. So if we see this Inuit world, how far they're actually spreading, we distinguish two major groups. That's the <coughs> Eastern Arctic group with the Greenlandic, um, the Canadian and the Alaskan Inuit and the Western um as the Central Arctic and Western Arctic um, Inuit, which are more into Russia. And in that um, Eastern Arctic Inuit group, we have shared traditions, uh, shared music styles. However, in Greenland, that throat singing we experienced in Nunavut is not that much present. And in fact, we have a big distinction at East and West Greenland. And when you look at Greenland as the big island on the map, you might get an idea why we have that big distinction between the east and the west. What do you think? Yeah, because it's so big. I, and, I, and the coasts are mainly the places where people live, so they might not have had that much contact with each other. Exactly. It's it's very sparsely populated. When we talk about 56,000 people on a on an island that's half the size of Africa, then you you have an idea that the villages are not very large and they are not really well connected. This, fact, this always blows my mind. Again, you just said it, the size of Greenland, because I mean, half the size of Africa. If you've ever seen one of these maps where Africa is overlaid by different countries of the world and how many of them would fit inside Africa, um, this is mind-blowing. But then realizing that Greenland is half the size of Africa is, again, absolutely maxim maximum mind-blow happening right now again. And it happens it over and over because it's so huge. It's every single time I'm traveling to Greenland, it just blows my mind to wrap my head around the sheer size of Greenland. And it really is something we definitely will tackle in a future episode a little bit more in detail because it's so vast. But this huge size of Greenland also forms a segregation between the east and the west. So the west coast of Greenland was much denser populated, denser, of course, um, we, we have to see it in the big picture, denser in terms of uh, compared to the East Coast, but not really compared to um, dense populations in Western Europe or Northern America. However, the West Coast was denser populated or still is denser populated because the climate is more stable there. It's warmer. We have um, within the Baffin Bay the um, last remains of the Gulf Stream um, delivering a little bit warmer waters. While on the east coast, we, hum, uh, we have the, the cold Arctic Ocean current coming down the east Greenland coast all the way um, to the southern peak. So that means the conditions in the east are much harsher, so less people have decided to settle there. Those people who have settled there, they are on their own for most of the year. So for six, seven months a year, 
they are completely cut off from the world. We don't really have stable internet connection there. We don't really have telephone landlines there. We don't really have supplies there. So the runways, the heliports they have, they are closed for most time of the year. The supply ships can't access the ports because the sea ice is just blocking the access. So when they are alone, they actually maintain their culture much, much better than the western part of the country where the colonial power Denmark has a much, much bigger influence. So what we see in the Greenlandic music tradition is that the Danish um, colonists actually, they prohibited um, in a music from the mid-20th century on. So you don't have that distinct culture there anymore, which you still have in Eastern Greenland. And when we talk about distinct Inuit music tradition, then we talk about mainly one thing, and that's the drum dance. And the drum dance, the Greenlandic drum dance, is something you also can find us in similar versions in Eastern and Central Canada. You even can find it all the way down to Alaska, and I'm pretty sure also in Russia we will have a look into that later in that show. And the drum dancers, they have um, several reasons. They can be prefer uh, performed um, with a single person. They can be performed um, with two persons opposing each other. Um, the shaman used it for um, talking to the spirits and the ghost. Um, it was used to solve um, uh, solve problems between people. There was a huge tradition in that and we have a number of drum dance songs which we know about but here comes the clue because we have such a small population in East Greenland those songs are endangered. They are threatened to get lost over the next 50-60 years when the older generation um, will pass away. And that makes it really sad. However, let's have a quick listen into one of those Eastern Greenland drum dance performances. That sounds very... Uh, I, I like it. I, it does sound very soothing. I think that's what I'm looking for. It is indeed. And Do you know what this one it, was about? Um, I, I would have to look that up again. Um, 
It's um I think that was the last song, if I remember the correctly. I'm not sure though. Um however when you compare the Greenlandic drum dance and the songs of the drum dance in Greenland with other versions in Canada or Siberia, you will see that the Canadian and Siberian drums are much, much bigger. So we have a, a very small um, drum, which is called kilat in uh, Greenlandic. It's a frame drum. The frame usually is made from bone or wood. And the skin is made from uh, animal skin like seals or polar bears or in, in, in digestions of, um, uh, of animals. And those... Um, those uh, drum dances in, in Greenland were much more intimate than in um, in Canada, for example. In Canada, you have the bigger gatherings where the drum dance was performed for the whole village community. In Greenland, you have especially the tradition of so-called pisik, which is kind of personal songs. And they are more bound up with uh, daily life events. Um, more like the singer is really inheriting the song he is presenting his own story a little bit like singer songwriters today and the song can be passed on and be sung practically unchanged um for centuries but mainly it's like for the one um yeah for the for the one person in that um uh, in that village the drum was also um used by by the shaman um who brought luck for hunting uh, he made magic uh, he solved spiritual questions was kind of a um just um weapon for uh, jurisdiction maintaining social order when someone's behavior was causing problems instead of sanctioning uh, against him the community sometimes organized song duel between the two um, involved the problem was front uh, brought in front of the group and then the spectators standing around they were like the the, the jury they were um just judging on the performance and those um drum dance uh drum fighting songs there could be 20 to 30 verses or longer so it's quite a long performance and the um the spectators were made from uh, families or relatives of the ones involved, and that made it sometimes very difficult to to select a winner. It could go for 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 hours for um, to select a winner, and in some uh, very rare cases, um, the blame was so big to lose that uh, drum fight that um, that person has to um, leave the village and settle somewhere else. Really. Yes. So, so this was this was not just a mock thing. This was a serious thing. What's a serious thing? The main intention was to um, to release pressure and to bring people together and just um, solve problems by that. It's not about blame and shame game. It's really more about um, bringing people together. But it has been reported that had um, yeah a bigger. Uh, impacts on rare occasions can you can you imagine the problems uh, on the world stage being solved by dancing and singing today i'm i'm not really sure if i want to see donald trump dancing a drum dance <laughs> but it would be certainly funny take, take that picture out of my mind please <laughs> <laughs> all right um so what's the status right now you said it's on the verge of being lost um is is there anyone who's trying to preserve it 
Yes, we have um, all around Greenland, um, mainly in East Greenland, but uh, also new in West Greenland, especially in Nuuk and Ilulissat Sisimut, we have the urge to preserve that traditional um, part of the Greenlandic music. They maintain it in, um, in northern and eastern parts of the country. They maintain a repertoire of the old songs, um, extracts from contests, from games, from personal songs. The drum songs are performed on stage um, for tourists. Um, some of the, uh, of those drum dancers are coming on board of, of, of cruise ships or uh, visitors to those villages can attend those drum dance performances um, in the village. And we have a new tradition that um, those elements also find their way into modern day music. And the modern day music in Greenland has evolved from, uh, of course, mainly Danish influence. So Danish people have brought um, Danish folk music to uh, Greenland. But surprisingly, um, besides Denmark um, being involved very um, very big in Greenlandic tradition and um, changing a lot of the system, bringing schooling and healthcare into um, a nomadic life in Greenland and uh, making Greenlandic people settle in uh, larger aggregations, we still have a distinct Inuit folk music and some sort of um, Danish-influenced Western folk music style. The Inuit folk music is more into that storytelling, which um, which was used by Inuit um, during their nomadic life to pass on stories and experiences of hunters, of families, and that kind of struggles they went through when they were out in uh, in the wild, and that has declined greatly after the introducing of um, of printing. Yeah, when printing was introduced around 1900 or a little bit earlier, um, we have uh, we, we see that the um, the country folk traditions they really um, declined. So so the, the the music and the dancing was also a, was it also part of like storytelling and and relaying news and things? Yes, indeed. Okay. So that was um, part of the newspaper of the um, photo album um, of uh, Facebook, what it is today. Um, yeah, it was part of, of, of sharing experiences, coming together and um, yeah, just exchanging knowledge. And that happened through that music as well. But with the arrival of the Danes, um, new instruments also got introduced into uh, Greenland, and we here have mainly the accordion, which has a huge um, or plays a huge role in Greenlandic music now. Um, Inuit polka um, was developed by that. The polyphonic choir was introduced, so that was also something that was not in um, in Greenlandic Inuit culture so much uh, present. So it was mainly. Um, a solo performance or to um, opponents uh, singing against each other. But a choir was something uh, completely new introduced there. And by that also classical music evolved, of course, with the influence of the Danes and, uh, and, and their history, their music history. But then in, mid, in the mid-20th century, 
Northern America and uh, European public, popular music just exploded in influence in uh, in Greenland. So, so we're, talk we're talking Western pop music, rock music, um, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh -huh. And that actually kick kicked off um, a success story in Greenland. And that actually begun... In 1973, when the Greenlandic, probably the only Greenlandic major record label called Ulo, released an album of the band Sume, which is a Greenlandic rock band. They are singing in Greenlandic. The album was called Simut. And this album was sold by an estimated 20% of Greenland's total, total population. We're talking about over 10,000 people. In a country of 56,000 people, just let this sink. 10,000 out of 56,000 people have bought that album. That is that, very high per capita, I would guess. This is probably the highest <laughs> in the world. So, 20%. More than Elvis, more than the Beatles? 20% uh? of the country's population i think not even the beatles have reached that oh. i'm not sure don't take me um, don't quote me here but let me um research the numbers there but this album actually single-handedly kicked off the local rock scene in greenlandic and they used greenlandic language and they used elements of traditional drum dances within the music and the uh, band members of sumi they actually claimed that to be the the tool to success, because that's something that Greenlandic people could relate to. They liked um, Western pop music, but they can't understand that. And Greenlandic as a language is something that actually it, it attaches to those people, so they can understand it, they can sing along with, um, they can relate to the classical drum dance um, tunes in there as well. So that was actually really a success key. And in fact, the singer of the band participated in the Danish pre-selection in 1979 for the Eurovision Song Contest, performing in Which is a big Greenland. thing in Europe. <laughs> Which is really a big thing in Europe. Indeed it is. Yeah. So this, this record label, Ulo, is um, based in Sisimut which is, I think, the second largest town in Greenland. It's a beautiful, picturesque little town. If you have a chance to go there, do that. It has a beautiful um, city core with the old um, Danish houses and then the newer ones um, aggregated around it. Really beautiful around the harbour. But however, this label was created by uh, Karsten Sommer, who is Danish, and Malik Hoek, who is Greenlandic, and Ma um, Malik is also part of the band Sume. And they recorded in their uh, studio, which is called Akisek, um, the album of Sume, and released that, and by that actually created that record label in the first place. And today, this record label releases a lot i wouldn't say pretty much everybody in the in, in greenland but a lot of them so we have um a very tiny little recording studio home to that uh, to that uh, label but the 
sheer numbers they are selling make it probably the world's most successful label. And that's not only that one single album that sold uh, almost a 20% or more than 20% of the population. It's also, when you put that into comparison, the least success, uh, successful recordings they sold, they sell an equivalent of four times platinum in Europe. Hmm. So if you take that 10,000 units sell of the album of Sume, compared to the 56,000 population that equates to sales of 25 million in the States, for example. That's a huge, huge, huge number. And that record label can only function because people in Greenland love listening to their own local music. It's the biggest island in the world, but it's stretching such a huge area the thing that keeps culture together is music. That's something we stated in the very first episode here when we talked about Nunavut. 50,000 Inuit live in towns or villages so far from each other, the only connection that people have is by ship or plane. The music is the link between those people all over Greenland. And we still have a very physical culture here. While in Western countries we have stream and downloads, that's something that not really applies to um, the Arctic, just simply because the technical infrastructure is not that present. So it is still a physical market. And music is today the medium for new poetry. Rock and pop presents thoughts and feelings, tell stories and ideas to Greenlanders. We have this big issue of a very high suicidal rate in especially the young people, the young generation, especially in isolated villages. Music is the way of transporting that to the outside world, but also to tell the stories to other Greenlanders, to get some, some hope into the faraway villages. And that's a pretty, pretty intense thing when you listen into Greenlandic music, when you try to translate a little bit of those lyrics, and when you go into um, Greenlandic music a little bit deep, a little bit deeper. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, so, I would assume that uh, you have a, a link or something to that label for us in the show notes. So... I will definitely put um, a link to a Spotify playlist again um, into oh, the show notes. Wonderful. So you can have a listen to a number of Greenlandic um, modern music. And um, yeah, sounds cool. Get a glimpse from Greenland. All right. Thank you very much, Henry. This was another episode of Curiously Polar. And uh, we'll let's find out if we stay with the music or if we move on. Um, I don't know yet, but I'm happy to be surprised by you so um yeah let us know what you think about the episodes uh, did you miss a topic that we should cover do you want to get a bit a deeper insight into something that we talked about you can write us an email info at curiouslypolar.com or you find us on our social media channels on the website curiouslypolar.com on twitter at curiouslypolar and the same is true for instagram get in touch we'd love to hear from you so we'll be back with another episode next week until then, take care and bye-bye.